the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Wednesday. That's good news. We're halfway to Friday. That's right. We are at the top of the hill getting ready to head downhill for our weekend already, and I'm excited about that. I uh, got to tell you, it's it's been a kind of an interesting week. News has been moving quickly uh, this week and trying to uh, round up guests to, to deal with the different uh, uh, stories has been interesting normally i know uh early on in the afternoon who's going to be on at what time today it ended up that i had to switch two people and didn't know what time one of the people were going to be on until eleven thirty last night so that was kind of interesting i got a little ding on my phone you know i get notifications and your phone dings and lets you know and i got that plus my my flashlight flashes so it woke me up and um, i saw that uh, daniel alvarez is going to be on tomorrow at 605 and uh, she's cuban national and she'll be bringing us up to date on everything that's going on over on that island and what exactly is happening uh, more protests yesterday uh, in cuba person was killed on the island uh, people have been arrested and have disappeared. So uh, the communist regime over there is doing uh, what they do best, and uh, that is trying to squash things by making the people who are out and leading these protests disappear, and then they don't appear again. So uh, we'll we'll bring you up to date on that tomorrow. So that means instead of Cuba today at 635, we'll talk about China today at 635. And then Sue will be with us. Uh, she is, or he is, pardon me, a, uh, a writer uh, for the Epoch Times. Uh, we will talk to him about, if you remember, this would have been back in the 60s and 70s. There was a list that came out of the Soviet Union about what they were going to do step by step by step to slowly uh, take over here in the United States. And several of those steps had uh, have been done. Uh, well, China has the same kind of list and has the same kind of thing they're doing. It's, it's more of three or four big things with a whole lot of other small things uh, in subcategories under, you know, the big things. So we're going to talk about that today and and what is uh, what is China doing? Uh, they are pushing hard uh, to uh, get the CCP 
uh, in power across the world. They really, really are. And they're building up their military. Uh, they're challenging people uh, uh, with their, you know, trying to throw elections and all kinds of stuff. So we're going to talk about that uh, coming up uh, here uh, in this hour uh, at the bottom of the hour. In the next hour, typically we have Congressman Hill and then Congressman Westerman on. Uh, because, But because of some voting things that are going on, we're going to flip it today. And Congressman uh, Westerman will be on at 7.05, and Congressman Hill uh, will join us at 7.35. Congressman Hill just getting back from the Middle East on a trip that he made there. He'll bring us up to date on what's going on there. Uh, I would like to talk to him a little bit about uh, the Biden administration now, as says that they're going to um, allow the Iranians to start selling some of their oil. I want him to talk about that. And uh, the did you know that New York City has been, uh, you know, not been able to get oil, and so they're buying Soviet oil now? It just seems to me that this time a year ago, we were energy independent, and we didn't have to go out and deal with communist dictators uh, to get uh, energy. But we're back into that that whole thing again because of this all this crap with the new green uh, new green deal that uh, the Democrats are pushing. Uh, Democrats pushing today. They're going to meet with President uh, Schumer and uh, some of his people to talk about a three and a half trillion dollar infrastructure bill uh, that has nothing to do with the bipartisan bill uh, that uh, the group met with him about, uh, and that he said that he would back. And would not just get throw it to the side if uh, the Democrats came up with uh, a bill. And we'll see what happens now. Uh, Schumer thinks he's got the votes to reconciliation to get it through. But the only way they do that is if the Democrats can hold everybody uh, in there at, at 50, get all 50 votes. Because at that point, when the vote was made, it'd be tied. And the uh, vice president could throw the tiebreaker at uh, at that point. So those are some of the big stories that uh, are going on right now. Uh, what is it with this president? Um, you know, th- they're talking about the uh, voting integrity uh, uh, bills that are passing uh, in Republican states, which say that you have to show a picture ID uh, if you want, um, you know, an absentee ballot, you got to put your driver's license down, things of that nature, things that you you typically have to have in any state uh, to vote. And uh, did you hear what Biden said yesterday? He's standing in Constitutional Hall yesterday uh, speaking uh, there in Philadelphia and and said that what's going on here in the nation is, uh, you know, basically uh, Jim Crow 2.0. Now, look, I lived through the time in this country when Jim Crow was still still around. Uh, there is no Jim Crow going on right now. That is not happening. It is not happening. Let me repeat that. It is not happening. I mean, it, it's just, just, just crazy. The president said yesterday 
this is the worst time in America since the, the Civil War. Now, let's let's put that in perspective for you. Do you know how many people died during the Civil War? Any idea? How about 600,000? 600,000 people died fighting to end slavery and to bring the South back into the Union. 600,000. The last person uh, to die was uh, President Abraham Lincoln when he was uh, assassinated five days after the Civil War ended. I'm just telling you, the hyperbole being used by this president is ridiculous. I mean, they, they, they want to talk. They should close his Twitter account. Just saying. The way that he's trying to, you know, roust everybody up and get everybody all uptight about all of this stuff. There's just, there's no comparison to the way it was and the way it is right now. I, I, I don't, I don't get it. I really uh, do not get it. And, and if you, if you look at what are the voting requirements in blue states versus some of these red states, uh, they're they're tougher than what the, the red states are moving to. So you you explain it to me because I sure as heck can't understand uh, it at all. All right, let's get our first break in. We got a lot more to talk about. I'm just kind of. I'm just kind of touching on things because there's so many big stories that are going on right now, bringing you up to date on what uh, what is being discussed. Uh, don't forget about Cabot Emergency Hospital. If you live in the Cabot Ward, Austin, up there in the um, you know, BB area, you now have an emergency hospital close to you within very fast driving distance because they know when your emergency happens, your emergency matters, and you don't want to wait. And you don't have to any longer. You go to Cabot Emergency Hospital, they'll get you back, they'll get you seen, they'll get you treated. And if there's uh, something going on that means that you need to go to a hospital, they will stabilize and then get you in an ambulance and get you to a hospital ASAP. 100% physician-owned, board-certified emergency uh, folks are at the uh, hospital 24-7, 365 Yes, even holidays. They've got themselves x-rays and CT scans and ultrasounds and even an MRI on-site, an on-site lab. They've got an on-site pharmacy, and the doctors are there to take care of you. So get back to your life faster. I mean, if you need some stitches or something like that, they can take care of you and then get you back to your life. So why wait? Your emergency matters. Remember, Cabot Emergency Hospital on Highway 89 on the Walmart side of 67-167. All right, so let's talk a little bit about this infrastructure bill. First of all, understand uh, something the Democrats don't want to talk about right now. When you flood the economy with government money, what happens? What's what's uh, you know economics 101? You get inflation, and inflation has raised its ugly head. Uh, for June, inflation over 5%. And that's including everything. Uh, you know, gas, used cars, 
and all of uh, food and all the rest. Now, if you take gas out and used cars and just go with food and and building things and and whatnot, it's at 4.6%. Highest it's been since 2008. And not a good indicator for where the economy may be going. So what it means simply is this. Let's let's just take June, for instance. 4.6% inflation. If you were given a raise of, let's say, a couple percent, then you didn't gain anything. You lost. Your money bought less than what it would have bought before all this money being flushed into the system. And that money includes uh, that unemployment uh, that uh, the federal government is giving people at about $1,600 extra a month over their typical unemployment. So Schumer last night, uh, and Schumer is the head uh, of the the Senate because uh, the Democrats control the Senate right now with 51 votes because they have the vice presidency. And uh, elections do matter. Uh, In a late night announcement last night, uh, the Senate Majority Leader said the Budget Committee had reached an agreement to allocate $3.5 trillion for a spending package that would complete President Biden's infrastructure plan. Now, remember, the president met, met with uh, Republicans and Democrats who were concerned about, you know, $3 trillion in infrastructure and said, hey, um, we've come together. We've figured out what we can do for infrastructure. It's about six to eight hundred billion dollars, and that's take care of roads and bridges and airports and things of that nature. Here's what Schumer had to say: The Budget Committee has come to an agreement. You add the three point five trillion dollars to the six hundred billion dollars in the bipartisan plan. And you get to $4.1 trillion, which is very, very close to what President Biden has asked us for. Every major program that the president has asked us for is going to be funded in a robust way. The plan will fund a budget reconciliation package so that Democratic lawmakers can sidestep the need for any GOP support and shield the funds from a filibuster. The budget will cover costs to expand. Here we go. Now, as you listen to all the things that they start talking about, how many of these things have traditionally been infrastructure? They want to expand Medicare, address climate change, child care, education. All of them are big-ticket items that have now been deemed by the Democrats as human infrastructure. New lexicon term again, human infrastructure. Typically, when you are dealing with something like Medicare, you're dealing with climate change, you're dealing uh, with all these other big-ticket items, it was a a separate bill that you dealt with those. 
infrastructure was always looked at as roads, bridges, sewers, uh, airports, things of that nature. Now, Democrats are meeting with the president today, and uh, he said that they're proud of this plan. We know we have a long road to go. We're going to get this done for the sake of making average Americans' lives a whole lot better. You know, I, I'm i just telling you, they can spend three, they can spend $9 trillion. And I'm doubting it's going to make your life a whole lot better. Because when you look at these programs, uh, typically 45 to almost 50% of these programs, the money is used just to run the programs. They don't, it doesn't get spent in any way, shape, or form to help you. Unless you happen to be uh, a, a government worker. That's the only big, big difference. But let me, let me quote that for you again. We are very proud of this plan. We know we have a long road to go. We're going to get this done for the sake of making average Americans' lives a whole lot better. Keep that in mind. Don't forget that, all right? Don't don't forget what Schumer has said it's going uh, to do. When you look at that and you wonder, well, what's the average person out in America thinking about right now? Uh, building up resources as it aims to recapture the House of Representatives, this is a story from Fox, uh, and the majority in the 2022 midterms, the House Republican reelection arm, says that it brought in a record $20.1 million in fundraising. And the National Republican Congressional Committee, the NRCC, also reported early uh, this morning that it brought in a record $45.4 million during the April-June second quarter of uh, fundraising. The committee touted that the June fundraising was its fourth straight record-breaking month and that its haul the past three months was its largest off-election year quarter in NRCC history. The committee also showcased that it brought in $79.2 million the first six months of 2021, far surpassing the $44.5 million raised during the first six months of 2019, a similar period during the last election cycle. And it noted that the 2021 haul was the best first half fundraising total in committee history. Now, I want to say something. Because I heard it going into the last election. There's no difference between the Republicans and the Democrats. They're one and the same. Same. They're, uh, they're the same coin with just different faces on each side. Are we beginning to understand now that that's not true? Are you beginning to figure out that that's not true? That's not the way it is? Are you looking at the Democrats and what they are proposing and understanding now what it is that they want to do uh, to the country and know that that's not what the Republicans are trying to do? I mean, you may have heartburn with the Republicans, But most of you, I think, are terrified by what you're seeing from the Democrats. 
what you're hearing from this president. I mean, the president hasn't even said anything, hasn't even brought up the name communist uh, talking when you're talking about what's going on in Cuba. It's, it's really, really crazy. Uh, coming up, you're going to want to hear what Dan Sue has to say from the, the Epic Times, Epoch Times, uh, about what China has planned for us uh, right now. They've, they've, they've been working on this for quite some time. Chinese, if you read their history, have always been good at planning out what they're going to do over years. The Soviets, I mean, it was a running joke during the Cold War about their five- and ten-year plans, but they were always planning out into the future as well. And we better start paying attention to both those countries again and uh, and not, uh, you know, taking and, and breaking our own legs, for instance, on energy so that we've got to buy Russian oil to fuel homes in New York so that they can warm their homes. Let's get back to, uh, you know, energy independence again and, you know, tell them sell it somewhere else go pound sand that's what we need to do all right got news coming up let's do that then we come back and uh, we will uh, get back to nansu and uh, epic times all right back with you dave ellswick show let me talk a little bit about dustin turner one of the best uh, as far as getting your home sold and uh, that's what you want to do for instance Got a story about uh, a lady who had been waiting for nine months during this time of this hot real estate market to sell her home. Nine months. That's incredible. Your home shouldn't sit on the market for nine months during the way homes are selling right now. And so she reached out to uh, Dustin Turner, asked him to help her, and he did. And... uh, the home was listed, and in four days, she had two offers. The home sold for the full asking price, and the wait was over for Sandy, and she could move on and do what she was looking to do with that money. Now, this could be the answer for you as well. I told you that I met with Dustin because I'm looking at this hot uh, real estate market and looking at uh, – you know, moving up on selling my home. And uh, we sat down and went over some things about my house, uh, some minor things that need to be done. And uh, I'm getting them done. I'm wanting to have them done by September so that we can get the the house on the market probably beginning of October because I'm going to be gone uh, for part of September for my vacation. So I don't want my house on the market (laughs) while I'm down in Florida. I'd like to be at home so somebody buys it we can get it closed and get it done so that's all happening with me and i was really impressed with what dustin turner uh said and and did uh in our meeting and i'm going to have him on hopefully next week and talk to him a little bit here on uh, on the show his number is 501-952-2969 501-952-2969 you can Google him at Dustin Turner, the home team, or go online to hometeamsolded.com. Here's the thing to remember. I told you that uh, 
This was the guy that I'd be dealing with if I got ready to sell my home. And I am now dealing with him. And he's the only agent right now that I'm calling to need for my home. So let's let's move in now and uh, and talk with our guest. Nansu is with us from the Epoch Times. Nansu, how are you today? Uh, I'm just great. Uh, and good morning, everyone. It's Thank good. you for having me. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to have you on. There was an article in uh, the Epoch Times. I don't remember. If it, I don't know if it was last week or the week before. But I remember as I was growing up that the Soviet Union had a list of things that they wanted to get done so that they could surpass the United States and become uh, the major player on the world stage. They weren't able to do that. They still are not the world uh, world's major player on the stage. The United States still is in that position. But there was an article written, in, and it, it that you all did, that said that China has the same kind of, uh, of, of thoughts about how they want to take over uh, in, in the, on the world stage today. And can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes, uh, I, I read the article too. I didn't write the article, although, but that's not a secret. It's a, it, it's a three top elements considered by CCP when they try to make policies. So that three elements uh, uh, CCP learn from former Soviet Union. Uh, so that three elements are number one, uh, party control. Number two, the use of military, and number three, United Front projects. Uh, they, uh, so in the uh, in the um, in the article, they call it number one, building of a party. The number two, the the use of military. They, uh, the author call it the armed struggle. Well, it's really the use of military, and number three, United Front projects. Uh, now, uh, party control, that's always, that's always the center part of the communist regime. Wherever, uh, and wherever you go in China, there's always a party control on every aspect of the society. Mm-hmm. And number two, the use of military, that's just the famous line, uh, that Chairman Mao once said, uh, the political, uh, the political power, uh, the political power grows out of a barrel of guns. So they're still doing that. And number three, the United Front projects. Uh, if you read an research article that's written by Georgetown Foundation, published in September of last year. Uh, that uh, research paper basically exposed that the budget of China's United Front. Uh, CCP's United Front Department, it's much bigger than China's foreign ministry. All right, so it's been 100 years now, all right, 100 years for CCP. How far are you guys along in, uh, not you, but uh, how far (laughs) along is China in reaching their goals, do you believe? Well, I think uh, it's certainly much closer than uh, they have ever been. Yeah, it's much closer to their goal lines right now, and 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 part of it, and big part of it, uh, it's because of the uh, China policy that's been put up 
by the United States and the Western worlds. So if you're looking back in the history of the United States, as well as all Western governments, think about this. There was two ways uh, in the history of the United States that how our federal government dealing with the communist nations. Number one, it's the way that we dealt with um, the former Soviet Union. So that's the, the strategy that you, you make that communist regime uh, weaker and weaker every every day until something changes from within. And the second way, it's the, the China model. You know, we, ever since 1971, Harry Kissinger visited Beijing, mm-hmm. we have this uh, policy that trying to make it a communist regime in China stronger, stronger, richer and richer every day, hoping when uh, the Chinese communist regime reach enough, they will become a part of a democratic world. So, uh, well, that's uh, that's what China has become today. Yeah, but they haven't become part of the democratic world. The CCP is still ha- no, held, had their no, stranglehold on their country. No, they they will never change. The nature of CCP never change, and it's just the Western world having this uh, rosy picture and trying to put up a rosy picture of the Chinese Communist Party. And give me a very uh, easy example. See how easy that rosy picture can be put up. Um, Have you ever heard of the word President Xi? Oh yeah. Always, everywhere, right? Right. Now, how, now, however, now in Chinese language, chairman and president are two different words. They're not the same words. Now, 1.4 billion Chinese people call Xi Jinping Chairman Xi, not President Xi. And that's the, also the word Chairman Xi call himself in Chinese. But someone purposely twisted it when they translated the Chairman Xi to President Xi. Now, now in English vocabulary, president is the word to call an elected head of a republic state. China is not, it's never a republic state. After 1949, Chinese Communist Party took over control of China, and Xi Jinping was uh, designated by the Chinese Communist Party as a chairman. He was not, he was never elected. So, but someone just, hey, switch it to President Xi, so everyone call him President Xi, so that you have a, a very much a rosy picture about the, the system in China. Yeah, I, I read an article just the other day that they said that Xi may be the first man to be uh, chairman for the rest of his life, uh, that the last time that that happened was, of course, with Mao. You think that that's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be the case? Yeah, it's probably it's probably it's happening. It's going to uh, his second term. It's going to end uh, probably uh, by October, November of next year. And right now, uh, he's doing everything. It looks like at least he's doing everything he can to try to make uh, into the third term, fourth term, uh, which we don't know. Uh, you know, the in the communist system, the the power of transfer of power is never a peaceful process. Right. So when we talk about uh, the party, when they talk about the party, they're not talking just within their own borders. They're talking about 
what are we doing to expand the party and to make it uh, more powerful in other countries as well, like for the United States, correct? Yes, that's their United Front project. Uh, uh, December of last year, uh, one Australian media uh, uh, released a list of two million names uh, they, they, are, they were able to get from a leaked database, the two million uh, names of Communist Party members that's all over the Western, all over the world, that even including in India. So most of them are in the Western world. So they are a part of the Uniting Front project efforts. And they're and they're running they're running spy rings in the United States. We know that for for a fact. We've caught people, but uh, it's probably more insidious than what we even think. Oh yes, oh yes. The, they are. They are spies, uh, not uh, uh, in the sense of uh, how we understand spy system work. They 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 work with uh, all. It's it's more like their uniting front projects. They they you know they can have uh, many many different ways to approach, uh, especially our top leadership circle like our uh, people working in our Congress, in the federal government, uh, military. Uh, and also, they, uh, you know, some sort of a friendship with our leaders of our business society, local governments, so our universities, uh, so on and so forth. It was Pompeo right in when he what he was talking about uh, uh, the CCP that uh, you know on the college campuses of the United States they were making you know, very big headway that these organizations that they have that are supposed to be there to teach cultural differences and things of that nature, build bridges like that, that that's not what they were at all, that they were they were there to advance uh, the ideology of the CCP? Oh, yes, absolutely. In fact, I just had one article published on July 2nd really talking about as an example, as an example that talk about the relationship between the University of California and China. Uh, so, so basically, uh, what happened is uh, now it used to be okay. It, it used to be that we accept students from uh, China, so to let them to come to United States to study. But, however, UC Berkeley they actually have established. Uh, a joint venture with China's top university, it's called China's MIT, that's Tsinghua University. In China, they have a joint venture establish uh, a so-called, so-called, that's what Chinese government uh, called the universities, governments, and, um, and industries uh, joint uh, venture. Uh, that's kind of a model. They open a uh, a graduate institution in China. And so our universities, our top universities go to China to teach them directly the advanced the technology. That's uh, many of uh, things like still on the research stage here in our universities. And and the China's MIT, the Tsinghua University, the partner of Berkeley, it's the leading university that lead China's uh, military civil fusion projects. That, so, that, so 
you know, you can you can you can see how this thing goes. Basically, uh, that's you know, our universities, uh, uh, our academics, they are in their minds. They are so naive. They are thinking of. Uh, uh, technology without border, like AI without border, internet without border, everything without border. They go to China that they they just gave them all the secrets that uh, on you know still on the research stage. Our guest is Nan Su. He is with the Epoch Times. We'll come back. We're going to continue our discussion with him here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I need to ask you if you get questions about filing for Social Security. If you do, you can get. All your answers in a simple, easy-to-understand booklet called Your Guide to Social Security. It's from David Lucas Financial in North Little Rock. Uh, it's 27 pages long. It outlines what you need to know. Uh, you know these things, and then it can help you uh, get even more income when you file for Social Security. When you file has a lot to do with how much money you're going to get out of your Social Security uh, plan. So if you're within five years of filing for Social Security, get this free booklet now by calling 501-222-3315. As a bonus, uh, you'll receive a free customized Social Security analysis, and that pinpoints the optimal time to wring every nickel out of your benefits. So pick up the phone, call them, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. All right. If you've just joined us, Nan Su is our guest. He is a writer contributor to uh, the Epoch Times. Uh, if you're not uh, registered or you don't uh, get Epoch Times, you need to. Uh, they probably are the best newspaper for what's going on with the CCP that I know of. Uh, they've opened my eyes to some things. You know, Nansu, I was one of those guys for many years uh, that had that libertarian kind of view that if we helped build up the economy of China, the people would get used to having a better uh, a better way of life and would embrace Western thought and, uh, you know, Western governance and uh, that has been an abysmal failure. It hasn't happened. And I guess one of the things that we did is we forgot exactly how big China really is. I mean, there's still parts of China that are back in the days of uh, the good earth. You know what I'm saying? Uh, well, there's uh, two different uh images uh that's in our uh in the westerners than when we talk about china uh one it's the traditional chinese culture that's been the, uh, that's that's a that's a the, uh, civilization that's lasted for uh, more than five thousand years that's mm-hmm. a good part of it you know but while ccp hey keep in mind that the communist party there it's a the communism is an ideology that's a, what that was created by Karl Marx, who was a German, and was first practiced in Russia. So they really have nothing related to traditional Chinese culture. So when you talk about China and the traditional uh, culture and the ancient civilization of China, that really has nothing to do with today's communist regime. Correct. And uh, so when when Americans look at china uh beijing what they see uh in beijing and what they see uh, going on in some of the major cities 
that's not really China, is it? It's not. It's it, it's controlled by the communist regime, and 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 it's a, it's an ideology that was entirely against humanity ever since the first day of its existence. All right, let me ask a couple of more questions before I let you go, because we only have you for this half hour, and that's not enough time to talk about what we're talking about. Uh, but as far as China is concerned, I'm hearing a lot more saber rattling from china about taiwan uh what should we keep our eyes on about taiwan well it's the safety of and security of taiwan taiwan is our airline taiwan is a country by itself taiwan has a legitimate uh elected uh government that's elected through democracy Taiwan pay respect to basic human rights, and, and Taiwan's system really follow the the system of a uh, culture of uh, you know United States. You know they pay basic God given rights. Uh, they pay respect to those God given rights. So uh, so we 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 that's our airline. We'll let's never forget about it. Yeah, I mean. China feels that uh, Taiwan is theirs. People need not forget that. And just yesterday, a report came out and said if our Navy went against the Chinese Navy nose to nose, China would probably win. That's not good news. Well, that is certainly not. Uh, We need to wake up to the real situation over the Taiwan Strait. Uh, you know, Chinese government always, uh, always uh, back in the Ming Dynasty, that's 15th century AD, uh, Taiwan was part of China. Now, keep in mind, Ming Dynasty did not have a Chinese Communist Party. It was not controlled by Chinese Communist Party. And Taiwan people, 23 million people living in Taiwan, they don't want to be controlled by Chinese Communist Party. All right. Nansu, thanks so much. We appreciate you being on. Let's get you get on again in the future, and you can keep us up to date on what's going on with China. Nansu, writer, contributor, Epoch Times. Thank you very much, sir, for being part of the uh, Dave Ellswick Show today. Bye-bye now. Thank you. All right. That's going to wrap it up uh, for this hour. Coming up next hour, Bruce Westerman, Congressman Westerman, coming up in the first half hour. Then Congressman Hill in the second half hour. we got a lot to talk about with them, about infrastructure and everything else here on the Dave Ellswick Show. get it underway here for this uh, final hour of the dave ellswick show on a wednesday hump day middle of the week day over the hill day closer to friday than we were on monday we'll hear from uh, congressman bruce westerman in just a moment uh, first question for him today is i want him to turn his eyes towards the west 
at these uh, huge forest fires that are going on right now across 10 states out west and uh, his thoughts about them i mean i i i believe he's going to say we're reaping what we sow uh when you don't take care of your natural resources that this is what what happens and there's some things that are predicating it i mean they've got a huge heat wave going on out west and things of that nature but still uh things have not been taken care of i mean controlled burns things of that nature so he's with us now congressman westerman is here and uh, congressman thanks for joining us today i i told everybody i want to turn my eyes west because there are 10 states right now that are on fire out west Ninety-one thousand acres are burning uh in the western united states and it's because of uh faulty uh natural resource control is it not yeah we're getting what we managed for and uh this is how we managed the forest for the past three or four decades and uh the the chickens are coming home to roost right now but it's it's a real travesty you know we burned 10 point it's 10.3 million acres last year, and we're already up to 850,000 acres. Uh, that that was a number from last week, so we're we're way over that right now. This year, and we're in unprecedented territory. This is the uh, the worst fire season at this point of the year that we've we've had in uh, in modern history. I think maybe 1913 we had uh, uh, some some really bad fires as well, but um this is just going to get worse and the drought out there is is unbearable so you've got bad water management you've got bad forest management and uh now you're getting the results of that unfortunately yeah i read an article yesterday uh a gentleman uh, was talking about you know he had seen uh some things that were happening out west because of the drought and it wasn't until he happened to go to Lake Mead out there by Vegas that he was just stunned by how much of that lake has disappeared now. Yeah, I saw Lake Mead, I think, within the past year. And it was, it's was it been getting low for several years, but I, I haven't been out there yet uh, this year. But it was it's um, it's scary low from what i'm hearing and it's not just lake mead it's um lakes in in california um and you know the whole bureau of reclamation uh, water system out in the west is really uh, under stress right now yeah and so the question gets to to be since california oregon washington all produce so much food out there especially california uh what what is the federal government going to do about this? It seems to me the state governments are proving that they can't control water access nor control taking care of water. Yeah, and you know I've actually got a trip out. I think it's in August. I'm going to be in the Central Valley in California, meeting with uh, farmers out there, and you know seeing firsthand the devastation that's happening. But it's um you know i don't know if most people think of california as the as the breadbasket of the country but that central valley produces a lot of the food that we consume mm-hmm. here you know we we know that there's a lot of grain and stuff grown in the midwest but when you start talking about fruits and vegetables and uh those very high value crops um a lot of that comes out of california 
and we'll see it again in our in our pocketbooks at the grocery store uh, on top of the other inflation that we're seeing in the country right now. Yeah, it's uh, and it's not going to get any better while the Democrats are in control of the House and the Senate. Correct. Uh, that's correct, and you know, unfortunately. Right now, I don't know what you can do to make it better because they're they're basically almost out of water in California, and uh, this is this is something that's happened over uh, you know a few years of drought. Um, they you know, they need rain is what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, and and they can't, they got to quit throwing water away in California and putting it in the ocean. Correct. Yeah, they. Uh, uh, I think we've talked about this before, where you know an environmental group will sue over a single species, and it affects the way the water is managed. Um, and you know, it's it's a classic case of of tunnel vision and short sightedness, where you say we've got to protect this species at all costs, and you don't look at all the the other uh, effects and ramifications of it. It even gets back to the same philosophy on forest management people say we can't cut these trees here we're not going to we're not going to do anything we're going to let nature take care of it well and nature will take care of it and that's what nature's doing right now with wildfires it's getting rid of the overgrown uh trees uh that are out there and it's a vicious cycle when you just let nature take care of it well let's talk a little bit uh, congressman this has been going on since the 70s maybe even before then i i just became aware of it when i was in high school and the environmentalists and what they were they've been saying about what needed to be done to protect the environment how long is it going to take to turn this around I, l- let's say that you all were in control for the next i just make a it's not going to happen but i'm just going to make a thing here 20 years how long will it ta- will it take you to bring some sanity back out to the West Coast and into the mountain states out there? Well, it's going to take more than just Republicans in control in Congress. Um, you know, under the last administration, they started making good strides. Um, they did more harvesting and more work than had been done in a long time on the force, but it was still way short of what needed to be done. But now you've got a new administration that's come in that's putting a halt to that. And these are, like you said, it's decades in the making. This needs to be like a continuous process that spans Republican and Democrat administrations that's based on the science and doing what's right. And if we just keep ping-ponging back and forth when we change administrations, it's, it's only going to get worse. We had a hearing yesterday. I'm, I'm here in D.C., um, the Democrats have proposed a bill called the Replant Act, which sounds like a good a good bill. What they basically want to do is um, take money from Canadian lumber tariffs uh, and and take a cap off of it on a reforestation fund, so we can replant the four million acres that are currently essentially have been clear cut by forest fires, uh, which that needs to happen. That land needs to be replanted. But they put no changes in environmental policy or management practices. So I, I call it the Refuel Act because all they're doing is going to plant more fuel for the next uh, round of fires. But we also marked up a, or had a hearing on a bill um, that 
would expand the use of uh, something called the, uh, I think it's the Joint Chiefs Program or Joint Secretaries Program, but it, I saw them doing this out at the Grand Canyon where they're out hand cutting small material and stacking it up in a little pile. And it's, uh, it looks cute, but it's, it's very ineffective. And I, I have my staff run the numbers on it, what it costs per acre to do that. Mm-hmm. The 80 million acres that are uh, subject to catastrophic wildfire right now would take $38 billion. Oh. And probably, we probably don't have enough, uh, people that we could hire to do that kind of work. So, uh, you know, lip service and cute little programs aren't going to fix a problem that affects 80 million acres. All right. And well, it's going to take take a while to do it. We're going to be back with the, uh, the congressman in a moment. We've got to get a break in. When we do, the House Appropriations Committee approved an, uh, an amendment yesterday tied to next year's defense spending bill that would repeal the 2001 war authorization that has provided the domestic legal authority to execute the global war on terror following the attacks on 9-11. We'll talk a little bit about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Stay tuned. we got more coming your way. Don't forget about East End Towing and what they've got going on. Uh, They keep themselves up to date on all the different uh, laws and regulations dealing uh, with the towing industry so that you don't get caught in a bad situation. Uh, they know what to do at private property uh, tows. They know what to do, you know, if you break down out on the highway, they're going to tell you, you know, pull over on the right shoulder if you can. Uh, they're going to tell you if you're driving down the road and you see a flashing yellow light, which typically is a tow truck, get as far away from it as you can so that they can do their job and do it safely. Right now, we've got the slow down, move over campaign going on. So I was telling you yesterday, I saw the uh, sign up on the big sign, uh, the uh, the LED signs that you see on the uh, expressway that said red, blue or yellow, move over. Talking about flashing lights on the highways and the folks at East uh, in towing want you to keep that in mind as well. But the main thing they want you to know is that if you call them, they're going to take good care of you, get your car going to where you want it to go, get it off the the road safely, and get you off the road safely as well. That's East End Towing, 501-888-8849. 501-888-8849. All right, back with you as we continue here on the, uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. Uh, as I mentioned to you, uh, as we were going to break, uh, the uh, House Appropriations Committee yesterday uh, approved an amendment uh, tied to next year's defense spending bill that repealed a 2001 war authorization that has provided the domestic legal authority to execute the global war on terror following the attacks on 9-11. Can you bring us up to date on this, Congressman? What are, what are you hearing about this? Uh, Dave, that's probably uh, a lot to do about nothing. It's something that uh, Representative Lee has has done before. Um, And when she does this on an appropriations bill, uh, it's probably going to get pulled out of the the defense appropriations bill because it probably couldn't pass and it's critical to uh, fund the military. 
It might pass in the House, but probably wouldn't pass in the Senate. Okay. But the other problem with it is she's trying to authorize on an appropriations bill. And authorization for the use of military force, is a, as it says, it's an authorization. It should be done by the uh, – um, not by the appropriations committee. So she's just, you know, she's found a way to make a headline now and then, and she's um, got this amendment in the appropriations bill. Uh, it's something that probably needs to be addressed, but not in the way that she's addressing it. Uh, it is, a, you know, coming up on a 20-year-old authorization for the use of military force, it should be replaced with something that um, you know fits the um, the modern reality and situation. Uh, I think we still need to have the flexibility to go after terrorist organizations around the world. But um, you know, this was right after nine eleven. Uh, a lot of things have changed since then, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't be opposed to um, updating with a new AUMF, but to just you know go in and try to take out the 2001 AUMF on an appropriations bill is more a, an exercise in messaging than anything else. Yeah, more more fundraising, do you think, than it is uh, anything of, of uh, you know, credence? Yeah, or, you know, pandering to her, her base or whoever. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Stuff like that. Um, for one thing, why it gets passed in the Appropriations Committee. I could see her bringing it up and having a debate on it, but for them actually uh, passing the amendment and putting it on the Appropriations Bill, it's a messaging exercise. All right. Are are you worried about what you're seeing? I mean, Schumer, I mean, this is on the Senate side now. Schumer says they're going to try reconciliation, get this $3.5 trillion uh, 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 infrastructure bill passed, and that includes what they term human infrastructure, which is Medicare, uh, you know, uh, the new Green Deal and things of that nature. And, and it seems to me we need to remember that when we talked infrastructure in the past, it was always roads and bridges and things of that nature. This whole thing about human infrastructure and Medicare and, and whatnot, those typically were separate bills that were dealt with by the House and the Senate, Correct. Yeah, and it's um, it's not infrastructure. It's their same old method of creating a new dictionary and trying to pull the wool over people's eyes. I don't know any other way to put it, but um, you know, if we spent a half trillion dollars on um, on real infrastructure, it would make an unbelievable difference in the infrastructure in this country. Uh, I think the number I saw this morning that Chuck's talking about is like, Three point nine trillion dollars. Oh, he's going up even. even. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how you even spend that much money, and we're at twenty eight trillion in, in debt right now. Uh, we're already at two point two trillion deficit for this year in six months. Um, you know, apparently there's no concern about the debt and the deficit anymore, and that's playing into something called modern monetary policy, uh, which is is very reckless. Um, you know, I wish, I wish in Congress we could get as concerned about the debt, as concerned about um, fixing Medicare and Social Security, and you know these major problems that really affect the country as we do on, uh, um, you know, climate and a lot of the other issues that that come up. 
the uh, defunding the police and, and those sort of things that uh, you know the left just out there beating the drum on. Yeah, the uh, Schumer was quoted as saying late last night when they came out of this closed door meeting and said that they had this uh, infrastructure bill kind of put together. Quote, every major program that President Biden has asked us for is funded in a robust way. I mean, the amount of money that the Democrats are talking about is included uh, with that is that they're saying they want that $600 billion that the bipartisan committee came up with as well, correct? Yeah, and, and that's... I mean, that's stretching on infrastructure. That's putting uh, uh, broadband in there, and it's putting uh, uh, a lot of electric vehicle stuff in there to get to $600 billion. So I, I think I've told you before, there was an analysis run. You could rebuild the entire United States interstate system from scratch in today's dollars for $600 billion. Wow. That's how much money we're talking about. Maybe we could get the Memphis bi- uh, Bridge fixed, too, huh? <laughs> yeah, you could just tear down and start over with um, uh, with the amount of money they're talking about spending. Um, I, I mean, it's it's beyond comprehensible. It's, it's just putting more money out there than can be spent, and we see what's happening now under that mentality that we're seeing inflation go up we're seeing people incentivized not to work uh there's more money than to buy things and there are goods to buy um it's just not a good situation yeah absolutely last question for you and i and and i'd be remiss if i didn't ask uh, you what your thoughts were on what's happening in, in cuba at this moment well you know it was um encouraging to me to read the articles to see that you know people living in a, a socialist communist uh, regime that um, you know are actually putting their life on the line in the streets chanting freedom now if that doesn't tell you um, uh, what we should be focusing on here in this country instead of trying to be like Cuba trying to be like Venezuela and trying to be like these uh, these European countries, we should maybe take a lesson from the people who don't have the freedom uh, right there 90 miles off the coast of our country. Absolutely. Congressman Bruce Westerman, I appreciate you being on today, sir. We'll talk to you next week. You bet, Dave. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye now. All right. Congressman Bruce Westerman here on the Dave Ellswick Show. District 4 congressman here in Arkansas. Coming up after the break, we'll talk about the Middle East because that's where Congressman uh french hill was last week and we'll talk to him about his trip and and what he learned over there so that should be good uh while i got a few seconds here let me tell you that tomorrow we got a great show planned for you ken yang will be here uh chairman of the uh, uh gop uh in benton county he'll join us i think jr davis is going to be here i'll try to get that uh, nailed down during this last half hour of the show daniel alvarez will join us she is a cuban national we will talk to her about what's happening in cuba and uh, joe and duck uh well joe will be on tomorrow duck will not be with us joe will be on tomorrow uh taking your car and truck questions and helping you out and we'll talk about uh you know new things that are planned uh for cars we'll talk a little bit about electric vehicles because they're finding there's 
uh, some things that are holding that all up, like you're wondering how you're going to charge it while you're out on the road. We'll talk about all of that tomorrow as well. That'll be in the 7 o'clock hour. But right now, it's time for the news. All right, keeping your roof in shape is uh, a necessity if you want to make sure you don't end up with leaks uh, when it rains or you end up with uh, you know problems in your attic and all kinds of stuff. You need somebody uh, that you can trust, so that you can turn to, that's professional, and make sure that your uh, you know roof is in good shape. And that company, I'm going to tell you, as far as I'm concerned, and I think if you use them, you'll agree with me, is PI Roofing. Joel Johnson and his wife, Veronica, have built a business over the last 20 years that has you in mind and takes care of your roof. And they've added a whole lot of other things now. I mean, if you're looking for windows, for gutters, all kinds of other attributes for your home, you can get it through PI Roofing as well. All you need to do is call them and talk to them about it. That's 707-3551. 707-3551. I do know that Joel's always looking for roofers. If you're uh, looking for a job, uh, if you call that 707-3551, they'll uh, tell you where to go to apply. And uh, just make sure you know your your, your business because they're going to test you. They're going to put you on a, a roof that they have there at their business and ask you to put a shingle on. They're going to ask you to remove shingles, all kinds of stuff, so they can see what kind of of uh, you know you know talent you have in doing roofing. They don't just put you up right on somebody's roof and say, "Okay, go to it." Doesn't work that way. Seven zero seven thirty five fifty one is the local number, or go to piroofing.com for more information. All right, Congressman French Hill joins us. Uh, we kind of threw a little monkey wrench into things today and flipped our uh, our congressman around. But we are still in Washington, D.C. We are still talking about the issues that are happening uh, there at Congress. And, Congressman, you were over in the Middle East uh, uh, here recently. What did you find out while you were there? You were in Israel. What's the new government seem to be like? Well, Dave, it's good to be with you. Yes, uh, I took uh, part of Fourth of July uh, week last week and uh, was part of the first bipartisan trip to meet the new Israeli government. It's a coalition government. You know, it took them four elections to find a coalition that could replace uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. And so uh, my impression was, look, it's a one vote majority coalition government made up of an Arab party the very liberal, most liberal members of the Knesset and the most conservative members of the Knesset. What do Arabs, liberal Jews and conservative Jews have in common? They didn't like Benjamin Netanyahu and they wanted to find a way to uh, change government. And so they did. So that's what they have in common. And now they've got to focus on what they have in common in governing. I think that's going to be challenging. But when we were there, clearly, it's the honeymoon period. We met with the liberals. We met with the conservatives. We met with uh, the Arab. All were on the same page about trying to build a better, better Israel. All right. So they had their talking points down. My question is, uh, did you get to talk to uh, just any kind of men on the street, women on the street, and see what they were thinking about it? 
<laughs> well, uh, there, certainly we did uh, over in the West Bank in the Palestinian Authority. We went over into the West Bank to Ramallah. We met with uh, business people who are very successful entrepreneurs, uh, workers, uh, school kids. Uh, they're all in, in school or in business on the West Bank talking about the challenges of trying to build a business uh, with the conflict between uh, Israel and the Palestinian Authority. And that was very interesting. Uh, what I picked up on the street in uh, Jerusalem, though, was hope that this government can continue to make progress and that they can meet the needs of the people uh, that they have in transportation and education, the normal things, right, as opposed to it all being just about national security. But this coalition government is unified by their dislike of Netanyahu, true, but it's also unified in complete opposition to the Biden administration going back into the JCPOA, which is the Iran nuclear deal that was not a good deal and negotiated well by President Obama and then Secretary Kerry. They're also uh, unified in seeing the Abraham Accords that President Trump initiated move forward. They want to try to set up more diplomatic relations with more Arab nations uh, in the region. What did you find out on the West Bank, uh, Congressman? I mean, how are these people viewing Hamas and, and what they're doing in that area? I mean, the people voted them into power. Yeah, this is the great uh, challenge because of the incompetence of the Palestinian Authority government, which is the Fatah Party. It's run by a guy named Mahmoud Abbas. We met with him. Mahmoud Abbas came to power in 2006. He was elected. And uh, as you can imagine, he had a four-year term. And just amazingly, he's never been reelected. He never called elections again because he was afraid he was going to lose. So we have authoritarian uh, Palestinian leadership that's old, that's not responsive to the people, uh, who's uh, polls are terrible, and yet the alternative to this old, decrepit, stuck-in-their-ways authoritarian Fatah party is what? It's a terror organization, mm -hmm. Hamas. So Fatah hates Hamas. Hamas hates Fatah. Israel hates Hamas. The United States calls Hamas a uh, terror organization. And so you have this very broken stalemate. How does Israel negotiate? Uh, with an organization that doesn't have its own political power. So that's why it's been really frozen, honestly, since the Bush administration. All right. Let's let's move on from the Middle East and a couple of things that stories that have come out uh, this week that are concerning. One, New York buying Russian oil to be able to heat the homes of uh, New York citizens. Unbelievable. Yeah, that that's uh, I have not seen that story, but that makes zero sense when a, in a country, the United States, that's the world's leading producer of fossil fuels uh, that doesn't have any transportation cost to New York. I mean, where do you how do you make up a story like that? Yeah, I'm, I, I can't. I just I, I just can't see how the United States that just a few years ago was energy independent now is falling back in that we were buying our energy from our enemies. That's just ridiculous. And there's no excuse for it. And we have uh, robust uh, energy and, and plenty to spare here. And I can't wait to get the backstory on that. <laughs> I bet. I bet you're going to enjoy that one, to be honest with you. Let's talk a little bit about the, the this president. Uh, I, I really, 
I really question his sanity at times. I mean, I'm watching the man stand in Constitution Hall in Philadelphia yesterday uh, going over the voter integrity laws that are being passed uh, in many of our states here in the United States and saying this is Jim Crow 2.0. Now, he said that before, but yesterday he went even as far as to say things are worse now than they were at the end of the Civil War. What is this man drinking and smoking? I don't I don't know what the heck he's talking about. I mean, it's really ridiculous. At the end of the Civil War, not only had we suffered 600,000 people that we know about in uniform killed, but we had uh, thousands other die through starvation or through disease. And at the end of the Civil War, uh, you know, we were in a military reconstruction where there were attacks and murders and mayhem in the southern states, really, between 1865 and 1874, daily almost. So I really don't know what he's talking about, and I'm sure he doesn't know what he's talking about. But the real key issue here is the American people want voter integrity. The American people want it to be easy to vote, true, very accessible to vote true but they want it to be accurate and legal and so that's why voter id laws uh, no matter whether you're voting by mail or voting in person at your precinct uh 80 of americans appreciate voter id laws they get on a plane with an id they show an id with their credit card i mean the list goes on and on and on so of course we want to match up legal votes with uh, with an id and to say that that's somehow racist or discriminatory uh, doesn't square with the facts, and it doesn't square with the court rulings, and it doesn't square with where the American people are. Yeah, I think American people, to be well, at least the people that I talk to in my circle, they want as many people to vote as can vote that are legal to vote. In other words, that are American citizens when they go to the polls to vote. <laughs> That's what they right. want. We've had we've had record voter turnout in eighteen and twenty, for example, and sixteen was big too, where we have. Millions of voters coming and brought to these parties, brought to the debate who legally have cast their vote. So I just think the president's so off base on this and is just digging a hole deeper and deeper. I don't see him intimidating the United States Senate into passing this bad bill, which is called H.R. 1 or S. 1 over in the Senate which preempts all state laws on elections, uses taxpayer resources to fund Senate and House elections, that has same-day voter registration. Uh, it's just a terrible bill, and it takes all the authority away from the states that we've had uh, since the Constitution was approved. So were you proud of uh, Governor Abbott in taking the president to task about uh, the the, uh, the 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 changes that you're trying to make down in Texas, sure, and the same in Georgia, and the same in other states where people are reacting uh, to what they saw in 2020, where they thought uh, there were procedures they didn't like, and going to the legislatures to approve and fix them. That's exactly what the Constitution calls for. And look, the elections were. Uh, must be the elections really must be fantastic. We've elected Barack Obama, President of the United States. We've elected a majority, uh, you know, uh, House uh, caucus uh, in 2018, where they weren't saying that they needed to change the rules then. So I think it's because they're losing voters among uh, minority voters who are turning more pro 
conservative in their viewpoints, or whether it's a social issue or education policy or even pro-business. They don't want taxes raised. They don't want the Green New Deal. They don't want this regulatory burden. And the progressive left, as you well know, we talk about it every week, has taken over the uh, Democratic Party, and the president is just being pulled along by that, regardless of that's his personal view or not. All right. When we come back, we'll uh, finish up our conversation with Congressman Hill. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about Cuba, and uh, let's talk about uh, what the Senate is talking about, about $3.5 trillion for infrastructure and human infrastructure as well. Uh, here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll be back with the congressman in just a moment. want to remind you about Pat Davis. Been talking about him now for three years now. And a lot of you have called him up, but some of you have not. You know, he truly is your health plan man. And uh, Pat is giving a $25 gift card to the first 100 people this month that request a free, no obligation health insurance quote. I mean, it's pretty bad to save you money that he's willing to give you a $25 gift uh, card to get you to to save money because that's what he's going to do for you. Simply text your first and last name uh, and the number 25 to 501 605 6935. Put your first and last name and the number 25 to that number. Pat's been advertising with us for three years now, well-known here in central Arkansas, managing over $100,000 a month in premiums. So get your $25 restaurant gift card by texting your first and last name and the number 25 to 501-605-6935. Now, there is a restriction on this. You can't be Medicare or Medicaid eligible. Because he can't help you at all. All right, and that's a government program. He can't help you at all. Uh, you can't be eligible ages 21 to 64. And get a quote and a gift card, 501-605-6935. All right, we are back with you. I was just catching up on uh, Mark Smith and something that uh, he had to say on ESPN last night. Whoa, what he said. Whoa, that's all I'll say. I don't have time to talk about it right now. Let's get to Congressman Hill right now. Uh, He has been uh, with us here uh, from Washington. We talked about his trip over uh, to the Middle East, some of the things that he's seen over there, some of the things being talked about over there. There's something going on uh, just 90 miles off the coast of Florida as well, Congressman, in in Cuba. Uh, Are you disappointed in what this administration, how they have reacted to this? Uh, yeah, I thought it was pretty tepid. Uh, I thought President Biden's uh, remarks, his statement, were okay, but fairly tepid. And, of course, Jean Pataki, the uh, circle back lady there at the White House, uh, kept referring to the pandemic was the reason for all this and that we were going to figure out how to, way to get vaccines down there. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the cause of this is the Communist Party of Cuba for 70 years brutalizing, 60 years brutalizing the uh, uh, Cuban people. I mean, they produce a lot of doctors, and Bernie Sanders is always bragging about their health care system down there, but they export their doctors to go work in uh, other communist countries like Venezuela. Uh, they've been down there helping out that collapsing communist dictatorship. So 
Uh, what we need to do is, once again, say that we stand with the Cuban people and offer to provide anything that we can. And for uh, people who don't think that we let food and medicine in there due to the embargo, I heard some comments about that over the weekend. That's ridiculous. We've allowed humanitarian assistance in the Cuba since the 60s. So yeah. we, don't, we don't embargo uh, medicine or food or something of that nature. America's always been there first in line to help out in that regard. I mean, this has been going on since Fidel Castro came into power in, in Cuba and then Raul and now uh, this guy that's in there now. What can America do to help the Cuban people, uh, I mean, to topple this, this, this communist government? Let's, let's be honest. They, they want to be out from under it. Well, I think the first thing we have to do is uh, demonstrate through uh, Radio Marti and every other way we can get information into into Cuba right now across the whole island that we're prepared to be of help. Uh, we could um, offer to uh, set up medical uh, facilities if they need to, just like we could if we were called on to do that other places like the crisis even in, in Haiti. We have the ability to do that. But I believe uh, it's time to see if the Cuban people can push this through now that the Castros are off the scene. Mm-hmm. And if so, then let's see what that next step is. Um, this has happened several times in your life and my life where we thought there was a break, that there might be a turn in the Cuban people away from the Castro government, and it's never come to pass. So this one might be the case we can hope and pray that those people have the same opportunities for freedom education travel careers family uh, and not be put in prison shot tortured or forced to live uh, like they are in a you know um, 1940 economy and can you can you imagine what cuba would be like if it actually had a free market economy oh my god it'd be incredible Incredible, because of the huge resources of that of that nation, uh, which are abundant in uh, agricultural, tourism, industrial, and intellectual strength. We know the same success of the remarkable Cuban Americans. We know their incredible industriousness, bright capabilities, and what a wonderful American citizens they need. Think about. Uh, if those same bright, shiny Cuban citizens were at work for their own country on their own island and how successful they'd be. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I, I'm, I get goosebumps I'm thinking a, about that. I've been watching. I'm a huge, Here, I'm go a ahead. huge believer, Dave, in, in its systems that destroy people and opportunity. Uh, the Chinese, the Indians outside their own cultures were, you know, among the world's most successful entrepreneurs. And the same as Cuba. Why were they not successful in their own country of India 100 years ago or China 60 years ago? It's because of the repressive bad policies of the government. And so that's been true for Cuba since 1950 revolution. Yeah, 1959. Long time. Started when I was six years old. Unbelievable. All right. Last question for you. Infrastructure. Uh, Senator Schumer came out uh, late last night, three and a half trillion dollars, Congressman. Unbelievable. Bait and switch 2.0. I don't know why Biden can't take yes for an answer. He had a, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, this is what goes on when you are a. 
uh, zealot as opposed to a practical policy leader in a community. And Schumer and Pelosi are both captured by this far left progressive wing of the Democratic Party, and they can't even get out of their own way. Here, you have 11 senators who said, we're willing to work with you and work with Joe Biden. And we have uh, potential from Joe Biden to say yes on a deal that uses leftover uh, coronavirus money and this and that and, and is focused on basic surface transportation and broadband. And he can't say yes. yes. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. $600 billion. We just got done talking to Congressman Westerman said there was a study that said for $600 billion, they could rebuild the entire interstate system in the United States. <laughs> it's a classic. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up, but we're in a, we're fighting in DC for common sense and we're up against a tall, tall wall. All right. Well, keep fighting it, uh, Congressman. Appreciate your time today. Talk to you next week. All right. We'll talk to the Congressman again next week. Every Wednesday here on the Dave Ellswick Show, you hear Congressman French Hill from the 2nd District, Congressman uh, Hill, or Westerman, pardon me, Westerman from the 4th District, Hill from the 2nd District here on the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. I'm working to get... uh, uh, Senator Bozeman on and Senator Cotton. I'd like to get Senator Cotton on to talk about that uh, report that came out yesterday that if our Navy went nose-to-nose uh, with uh, the, the Chinese, that we'd lose. That is an eye-opener. We need to talk about it. And uh, I think uh, Senator Cotton would be the man to talk to it about. That wraps it up for the Dave Ellswick Show today. We'll be back again with you tomorrow at... 6 a.m. Ken Yang will be with me. Hopefully, uh, J.R. Davis will be here as well. And then we'll have uh, Joe on to talk about cars with me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Till 6 a.m. tomorrow, you have a great day.